If you've got your Bible with you this morning, go to John chapter 13. John 13, and let's go ahead and pray this morning. Father, thank you in Jesus' name that as we open the B-I-B-L-E, Lord, we're going to hear from heaven. We ask you to give us revelation and understanding today, truth that makes us free. I pray that lies would be undone, that wrong thinking would be corrected. Lord, that our spirits would be charged full of what you would have for us to, to learn and understand today. We give you all the praise and glory in Jesus' name. Amen. Okay. John 13, verse 34. Jesus said here, A new commandment I give to you that you love one another as I have loved you that you also love one another. Now, as you know, we began a few weeks ago in a new series of messages called The Love of God. And this truth and this principle, of course, is very foundational to everything else that we experience and that we have in our walk and relationship with God. Now, you remember Ephesians 3 that we studied last week says that we are to be rooted and grounded in what? In love. When we have that foundation of the love of God, it sets a platform for everything else to come out of that. But if we skip that step, and I'm telling you it's skipped all day long whether you've heard messages on love or not, I can see this in the results that people have. I can see it in marriages. I can see it in the lack of faith that people have. They have not been rooted and grounded in love and therefore struggle in other areas of their life. And they do know some other principles, do know some other truths, do know some other uh, verses of Scripture. But the love of God is the basis for this. When you know how much He loves you, it sets you up to be confident and have faith and know that He's on your side in every difficult situation in life. Okay? And there are many, many things. I'm at the end of my message already. There, there are many, many things in life that will cause you or at least give you an opportunity to question his love and I'm telling you I'll tell you just up front so you know where we're going it is the devil at work in people's lives to try to undermine the foundation of God's relationship with us he will try to get you and I to think differently about the Lord because if we don't see him clearly if we don't see him accurately According to who he is, it will keep us away from him. It will do a lot of things that will hinder us being able to walk in the fullness of what he has. Now go to Romans 13. Romans chapter 13. And here, let's read in verse 8. It says, Owe no one anything except to love one another. For he who loves another has fulfilled the law. For the commandments, you shall not commit adultery, you shall not murder, you shall not steal, you shall not bear false witness, you shall not covet, and if there is any other commandment, are all summed up in this saying, namely, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. Love does no harm to a neighbor. Therefore, love is the fulfillment of the law. 
And so in reality, if we, if we were to know of no other benefit or corresponding result of this kind of love, if we only knew this, that this is all summed up. God simply wants me to walk in this love. That's the only requirement He places on me. If I've done this, I've taken care of everything. Well, that would be motivation uh, enough to get us to live this love life. Nevertheless, there are a lot of perks, a lot of uh, benefits to walking in this love. Now, we said this, that we primarily are talking about love, but in three different areas. Number one, God's love to us. Number two, God's love in us. And number three, God's love through us. Okay, to us, in us, and through us. It's real difficult for us to love other people like we are supposed to if we don't know how much God loves us personally. And so many things in life become less important when you know how much God loves you. I mean, the house can be falling down. The pets all died. Problems galore. But when you know that God loves me, man, it will take care of so much of that stuff. It'll just, I can handle that. Big whoop-de-doo. You know, some people don't like you. So what? God does. And He's right. He's smarter than you. <laughs> Someone said, Pastor Mark, I don't really like you. So? You're wrong. Because I got on, the, on authority that someone smarter than you does like me. And likes you too. Hmm? And you just don't know me anyway. <laughs> if you knew me, you'd like me. And vice versa, right? right. But the love of God makes, puts everything into perspective in your life. People are very, oftentimes very insecure. They live, they're needy and they're clingy and they're... They have so many personality quirks, and it's because they don't know how much God loves them. It's, and sometimes it's a result of maybe they grew up that way. Maybe they were, uh, you know, lived in a kind of performance-driven type of life where if they did right, love and appreciation was shown to them. But if they screwed up, they were treated like dirt, and they were treated like you know, someone who didn't measure up compared to this one and compared to that one. And here's the good news about God's love for us. No matter what you do, you can't change it. You mess up, you sin, you fall on your face, He loves you anyway. Yeah. You sin 400 times today, He loves you anyway. You, you know, you, you sin, you confess it, you do it again, confess it again, you do it again, confess it again, do it again, confess it again. You haven't touched the love of God in the sense of reducing it to any degree. Okay, and, and, and this, this is good news for us. Here's the other side. Someone said, well, I'm, I'm, not doing all, I'm not doing so bad. I mean, I'm in church. Came to church. Yeah, could have slept in. Could be watching a football game. I'm in church. Well, you know, here's the other side of that. God doesn't love you anymore because of that. God doesn't love you, the faithful, more than that sluggard who's in, <laughs> who, who, who skipped. More than the lazy person. Uh, no. God doesn't love you any more than the person who, who got sloshed last night. 
Maybe that's you. I don't know. Uh, you know, they got slammed, and they're, this morning their head's spinning. They got a headache on that, having a hangover. God loves that person the same as He loves the person who prayed all night. Are you listening? And so what we need to understand is there's no degree of shortcoming in my life that removes God's love. And there's no degree of performance of doing good that increases God's love. Because in reality, it's already at max. The lever is all the way to the top. The love lever is all the way to the top. And it is full on shining in our lives every single day. It has your entire life. And there's nothing you can do to get it to stop. You can turn your back on God. You can try to resist Him and say, I'm not, I don't want, I'm going to live my own way. I'm going to do my own thing. I don't want to hear that. I don't want that conviction. No. You go do your own thing. As soon as you turn around, God's going to go, here I am. (laughs) You turn around, He's going to be there. He's going to say, I've been waiting for you to turn around. I've been waiting for you to come back. I want you to know He's not standing back there. With a scowl on his face. It's about time you turn around. About time you come back. I want to tell you. As soon as you turn around. Open arms. Big fat smile on his face. He's ready to wrap his arms around you and say. I knew you'd come back. I knew you'd stop living for yourself. Living that selfish life. And you'd be back with me. And I'm ready to embrace you. And love you. and, And then show my blessing and favor in your life. Come on now. He wants to do this. It's, and we can't see and, and judge this love of God based upon what we've done or what we haven't done, whether we feel loved or whether we don't feel loved. He just loves us, period. This is powerful, uh, unconditional type of love, all right? Go with me to John 16, John chapter 16. How many know a lot of people will love you as long as it serves them? And I say love as, you know, with quotes around it there. Because it's not really the same kind of love. But people will, they'll respond to you according to your actions. And uh, again, if you were raised this way, some of this, it might take a little bit of time to sink in. And to really be established in your heart. If you're all, you were always treated on a performance level. And if you failed, you know. You really got kicked, kicked to the curb, as they say, and, and just uh, you, you weren't shown the love uh, unless you performed correctly. John chapter 16, Jesus speaking here in verse 26. He says, in that day, now that he's speaking of the day that we live in. In that day, you will ask in my name. And I do not say to you that I shall pray the Father for you. Okay. Apparently, he had been doing some of that. He had been kind of doing things for them. They knew that he loved them. They knew that he could go, that they, that the disciples, they could go to Jesus. They could ask him things. He said for, in verse 27, For the Father himself loves you because you have loved me and have believed that I came forth from God. So they knew Jesus was for them. What they didn't know was that the Father Himself loved them. They didn't know they had direct access to the Father Himself. And they didn't need someone to kind of get in the middle of them. He loved them all by themselves exactly in their current situation and state. Okay. 
Now, I know sometimes people say the Lord loves you just the way you are. I think a better way might be to say the Lord loves you in spite of the way you are. Okay. Well, the Lord accepts me. <laughs> well, He accepts you, period. But some people get in a ditch there and they think that they got the Lord's approval on all their ways, all their thoughts, all their actions. No, you don't. <laughs> we need to align our ways to His ways and our thoughts to His thoughts. Okay, then He approves of all that. But in the middle of that, no matter what I do, He still loves me. Okay, sometimes in spite of the way I am. But this is real interesting here, how uh, our prayer lives are based upon the Father's love for us. This is what Jesus said, in that day you're going to ask in my name. For the Father Himself loves you. I want you to know that a person who does not know how much the Father loves them will have a whole lot of unanswered prayers. They'll pray and not get stuff. They'll oftentimes feel ashamed, they'll feel guilty, they'll have condemnation in their heart, and you know that that is a complete blockage of faith. But when you know how much God loves you, He's talking about you. He, he Himself loves you. And so you can go directly to Him. Just ask Him in my name and He'll do stuff for you. He'll respond to you. So I need to learn about prayer. Okay, here's a good start. Learn about God's love. Learn about God's love. When you know that He loves you... You don't have all these funky questions about, will God heal my body? Will God meet my need? Will God provide my for my finances? Will He take care of this problem, this issue in my life? No, all those things really kind of go away. All right? I know years ago when I was in, uh, when I was in college, I had a, had a friend who we'd have discussions. He was a, a believer as well. We'd have discussions about these things, and I was pretty much in the biblically ignorant category. Okay, saved, uh, growing in my relationship with God, but didn't know a whole lot, couldn't prove a whole lot, but I did have some common sense, and uh, uh, he would tell me, this friend of mine, good guy, like the guy, he, but he would tell me uh, that if you do something wrong, God will punish you by giving you a headache, or by giving you a cold, and, uh, and that's how he, uh, how he does these things, and, and that's how he punishes sin, with, with sickness. And the downside to that is I couldn't give him, all right, well, what about this scripture? What about this verse? What about this? And, and I couldn't do that. I didn't, didn't know enough to do that. But something just in me, I don't know if it was just common sense or was the Spirit of God revealing this to me. I said, no, no way. I cannot accept that. I said, no way, that is not true. Part of it motivated me to find answers, and I did, and, I'm, and that's some of what I preach today. I found answers to those silly questions. And I say silly, it depends on where someone was. I just think, man, how can you say God is love? How can you say He gave His only Son? And then every time I try to get close to Him, I mean, I'm, I'm desiring to be close to Him. I'm longing to walk for Him, trying to live my life right. But if I screw up just a little bit, just one little slip up, bam! God's going to smack me with a disease. Wham! God's going to knock out and blow up my the engine in my car just to teach me a lesson. I can't go with that. I have a hard time getting close to God if that's, if that's what His love really means. Okay? And what we've really done, like I've shared with you before, is we've made our love for each other and for children even greater than His love for us because we know we would never do that. You know, your children are trying, doing their best, and they mess up, and whammo, 
No, it's not how you, that's not how you treat him, but we think God would do that to us. All right, not the way he deals with us, not the way he, re, he responds to us. He's a God of love every single time. Now, John chapter 17. So his love enables our prayer lives to be effective. It enables us to receive from him. I tell you what it does is it elevates your faith. Your faith will when you know how much he loves you. There's so many things you just stop questioning. You just stop wondering, will God do this for me? Man, of course he'll do that for you. He loves you. He gave you his only son. Is there anything else that's bigger than that that he's going to withhold? John 17, Jesus is praying here. And he said in verse 23, I in them and you in me that they may be made perfect in one and that the world may know that you have sent me and have loved them as you have loved me. How does the Father love us? The same way and to the same degree that He loves Jesus. I don't know about you, but that really puts us up on top shelf, doesn't it? When you say, God loves me exactly to the same measure and degree that He loves Jesus. Well, here's what we can see by that. Same thing we've been Sharing with you. Jesus lived while he was on the earth and fulfilled his job on the earth. He lived perfect. Sinless. Flawless. Jesus. And now, of course, he's back into his former state of glory. And he is God. And so you can think, man, the Father's love for the Son has got to be Amazing, perfect, complete, without any uh, hindrance whatsoever. I can obviously see that if he said the Father loves me the same as Jesus, that his love for me is not based upon whether I sin or not. It's not based upon whether I do everything right. Because if that were the case, Jesus would be up here and I would be down here. He loves me the same as someone who has never failed, has never sinned, has never done anything anything wrong amen and so this this brings me right up so that means if I blow it I'm still up if I screw up if I make mistakes if I fall short if I have a bad attitude if I turn my back on the Lord for for years I turn around there he is and he still loves me the same as he loves Jesus that's amazing Sometimes people will think, Pastor, if you say that, people are just going to go out and sin. People are just going to go out and do whatever they want to do, and they're just going to think, well, all I do, oh, Jesus is going to be right there. I turn around, God's smiling. Right? Well, listen, I really believe that that love does not give us license nor even motivate us to do wrong. In reality, it will motivate us and prompt us to live for Him. And do what's right. You want to please Him. The problem, people try to love without being established in how much God loves them. And they struggle. They don't feel love. They don't, they don't have this thing established in their heart. But yet they're trying to treat others kind. And be patient with people. And be, you know, forgiving with other people. But they feel condemned. And they feel like God's against them. And they're going to have a difficult time. Whereas the person who doesn't even think about how they're supposed to treat others. They know how much God loves them, and they can hardly help themselves. 
you know, when things get rough, someone, you know, and they're on the road and some idiot pulls out in front of them and uh, they're, they're not grabbing a hold of themselves saying, oh, okay, control yourself. I know that guy saw his finger and come on, be calm, breathe, don't go and ram his card, you know, whatever, don't signal back to him your IQ, Uh, that's not what they're going, the person who loves God doesn't have that struggle, let me say that again, the person who walks in God's love for them does not have that struggle. The person who says, man, things just get so intense. Man, I can't, I can't, oh, I can't stand the way she does that to me. I'm just going to, I can hardly control myself. And then they start throwing things, hitting things, kicking the dog and everything else. That person does not know how much God loves them. Those things would fall off of them. There would be so much more control without even thinking about it. When you dwell and live in the love of God, you will, it will change your emotions, your heart and attitude towards so many things. You will find yourself walking in love, treating others right without effort, without trying. I don't mean you'll never be tempted to be angry if someone really does you wrong, but I mean it's going to be far less. Imagine, man, come on, Jesus, you think if anyone would be ticked off, Hanging up on the cross. He's taken a beating knowing that he could in a snap have 12 legions of angels down there to just clean up shop. I mean, could you keep yourself from doing it? Could you be on the cross? I mean, you are, talk about physical suffering. It is pretty intense, let alone what we can't even comprehend, the spiritual curses of all of mankind being placed upon him. He's hanging up there saying, Father, forgive them. I don't know about you, but it's one thing if you're subject to that. He wasn't. He, he was voluntarily staying in that position. He could have at any moment said, change my mind. <laughs> Just lit him up on fire. Right? Now think about it. You've got that power. Someone cuts in front of you, shows you the finger, and you could pop all four tires just like that. (laughs) Could you keep from doing it? (laughs) At least we're honest. (laughs) Why in the world was Jesus able to have such control of his own self? Say, well, he wasn't tempted. Yes, he was tempted, he dealt with all temptations. Temptations in all points like we are, yet was without sin. Okay? He had his finger on a trigger, could have at any time taken care of all this stuff. Every time these hypocritical religious people of his day would speak out against him and come against him. And he did some rebuking. But how many know he could have done much more? Can you say hell? But yet he didn't. He had control. And I don't picture Jesus at all like this. I don't see this from the scripture where he said, okay, give me a minute. (laughs) And he went over, did some breathing exercises, (laughs) thought some, you know, pleasant thoughts, 
put his mind on the beach or something, <laughs> heard the waves, and he came back and dealt with things in a calm way. No, he lived in the love of his father. He fellowshiped with the father regularly. He knew how much the father loved him. And that changes everything. You don't like me? So what? The father does. And he's right. Amen. Again, so many things will take care of themselves when we get grounded, when we get rooted, we get established. Not in how we treat other people. Receiving God's love to us. That sets us up to do the other stuff. Praise God. Matthew chapter 5. So God's love for us is not conditioned upon us being sinless and doing everything right. In Matthew 5 and verse 43, Jesus speaking here says, You have heard that it was said, You shall love your neighbor and hate your enemy. He said, But I say to you, love your enemies, bless those who curse you, do good to those who hate you, and pray for those who, who spitefully use you and persecute you. So, well, why would I do that? He said, that you may be the sons of your Father in heaven. In other words, do these things because that's the way the Father is. I want you to act this way, not just for acting that way's sake, but I want you to do it because that's the way the Father is. Sometimes people have confused this issue. They think, well, God tells us we've got to forgive people. We've, people treat us wrong. We've got to bless them anyway. Bless those who curse us. And then when we think of Him, we think that He's doing the opposite. If, you, if people do wrong, He's sending curses down. You mean He's telling you to bless them, but He's going to curse them? God who is love is going to curse, and you who are just born of love have to bless. There's inconsistency there. He's telling us this because this is the way the Father is. He went on to say, for he makes his son rise on the evil and on the good and sends rain on the just and on the unjust. Okay? And li listen, he, everyone on planet earth today is living to some degree and measure in God's favor and blessing. And I realize not everyone recognized it recognizes this but if you and I were to be cut off this is separated from our relationship with God eternal life and, and so forth if we were to be cut off from God's presence this place would look pretty nasty instantly and people don't realize people who don't even haven't received the Lord they don't want to have anything to do with God they are benefiting from his presence being on the earth today you take it away it's called H-E-double L it's called a lack of God's love and presence and light and mercy and favor and everything makes this a one hellish place, okay? And that's really probably one of the biggest definitions of hell. It's just God's not there. It's just God's presence and love and has been removed completely from that place. And yikes, that's a terrible place to be. But we are all benefiting. God is blessing people who are rejecting Him right now. He's trying to pour His love and favor. He wants them to be happy. He wants them to do well. He wants them to ha have, have success in life. Okay? Go, go to Romans chapter 9 with me. Romans chapter 9. I, I, I've discovered that in many subjects of the Bible, many different scriptures you can look at, that there are... Let me just give you, give you an example. 
if we talk about healing, divine healing for the physical body, okay? We can go through scriptures galore on the subject and talk about it uh, week after week after week after week and establish the truth. And a whole lot of people would say, you know, that's good. I believe that. I believe that God's able to do it and He's willing to do it. He wants me to be well and strong and, and healed in my body. But there will be a certain number of people that will that because of previous training, mistraining, they will say, okay, I see that, I understand that, but what about Job? What about Paul's thorn? What about the man born blind? And those type of issues. And there's a few other, there's a few other scriptures that uh, people trip up over, and the well-established truth is there. But then they got these other questions, and because of those questions not being dealt with, it undermines everything else, because they go to receive healing from the Lord, but they got this thing in the back of their mind, well, I might be like Job. And so then you, so what you have to do, don't, in order to help people in that situation, you have to go answer the Job question. Okay? You have to answer the Paul's thorn question. That's not, that's not difficult to do. They're all there and they're all fine. And you get those established and people go, oh, okay. Now there's no blocks for me receiving this. Same thing can be true concerning the love of God. I can explain this and read scripture after scripture. And I'm reading a small fraction of the scriptures in the New Testament that deal with how much God loves us. All right. But people could have these, but what about why did this happen? What, you know, if that, I, I see what you're saying, that makes sense, I can see it in the Word, but, you know, why did my sister get cancer? You know, why did I, why did this bad thing happen to me? And these different issues sometimes undermine the love of God. It's not that God's love is any different, their perception of that is changed because of different circumstances in their life. And I'll just tell you this real quick. You have to be aware of extreme sovereignty of God teachings that get out beyond the Bible and give people the idea or the impression that everything that happens in life is controlled by Him. That everything that could ever happen into your life was somehow filtered through God's hand of love. No, it wasn't. A lot of what has happened to you and to I in life had zero to do with God. His love was in full force, but there was something else at work. And sometimes our lack of knowing how much He loved us kept us from receiving it. Okay? And then we're actually taught and people have attributed negative and evil forces to God. And they put a spiritual spin on it and say, well, in His infinite wisdom, His ways are past finding out. And you never know how, you know, God somehow is working this out for your good. And no, He's not. Okay, I, could, I don't have time to teach on that in great detail right now, but just take my word for it. <laughs> no, don't take my word for it. Study yourself if, if, if you've got questions on that. There's a whole lot of good scripture in there, but I, I don't have time to go into all that right now. But in Romans chapter 9 and verse 13, this is one of those scriptures that bugs people. Romans 9 verse 13, as it is written, Jacob I have loved, but Esau I have loved hated junk don't you hate to be Esau <laughs> but here's the question people can say well if God hated Esau 
Maybe he hates me too. Well, again, we have to look at scriptures we don't understand in light of the verses we do understand. When we've got a whole array of verses talk about Jesus giving his life for us and expressing this love of God, and then you run into something and think, man, did God really hate Esau? What's up with that? Uh, you understand that you just don't understand it correctly. If you think, man, I wonder, I wonder if God hates me. And here's the idea that people get is that Jacob and Esau, of course, were twins. And you know the story of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Jacob and Esau were twins. God had a plan and a purpose to use Jacob. But when they were in their mother's womb, there was not God looking down into uh, their mother's womb and seeing Jacob and Esau in there. He's saying, ooh, Jacob, I like that boy. He's a, he's a nice kid there. Look at that. Esau, that hairy thing, man. I <laughs> just kind of tick God off. I hate, I hate that little child. Huh? Does that sound like the Lord? <laughs> no. God didn't look at them before they were born and say, I love Jacob and I hate Esau. Jacob kind of turned out a liar anyway, didn't he? He had some changing to do, uh, some adjusting to do. Uh, but Jacob and Esau, and that's the mindset people get. But understand this verse here that Paul is quoting, he's quoting out of Malachi. This verse was written thousands of years after the fact. It was not God speaking about them pre-birth, about them in the womb, and talking about, I've just made a, design, a divine choice here. It's my prerogative to love one and to hate another, and I'm God and I can do it. No, He loves everybody. Okay, and what this is speaking about in particular, again, written way after the fact, this is not even talking about Jacob or, or about Jacob and Esau as individuals, but it is speaking about Israel, the nation that came out of Jacob and the nation that came out of Esau or the Edomites who had lived contrary to God and God chose Israel and they were his covenant people okay not talking about him picking one of these guys out I love one and I hate one not not dealing with the individual at all but do understand this that God does have the right and this is independent of his love okay his love is at max for every single one of us no matter what our past is absolutely he loves you so much but he does have the prerogative to call and to choose people for certain assignments. And that does not mean that he loves one more than the other. Some people might look and say, well, look at this person. God is using them, and he called them, gave them all these gifts and this anointing and this. And, and man, why didn't he do that for me? Well, it's not because he loves you less. It's not because he loves that person and doesn't love another person. God does have the right to choose and to give assignments to certain individuals. Okay? Many people in this church uh, are involved and have a, an anointing to work in the ministry of helps. I've been called. I have an anointing and a gift to pastor the church and to teach and, and, and do, do some things there. Does that mean that God loves me more than someone in the ministry of helps? Absolutely not. Absolutely not. It's not about His love. In fact, He lo really, 
God anointed me and gifted me and gave me an assignment and a position because he loves other people. It's not really even about me. Okay? His love for me is pretty much independent of that. And the reason you have abilities and you have gifts and you have things that you are good at is not because God loves you. It's because God loves me. In other words, because God loves other people and He wants to use you in their lives. He loves us all, again, equally. Isn't that good news? Good news? Go over to 1 Corinthians 12. Let's try to, try to wrap up here in the next hour or so. <laughs> I'm just kidding. 1 Corinthians 12. <laughs> I, I can go all day long, and you have to love me. <laughs> You're commanded to. Now again, here, here, I want you to focus on God's love to you. We're going to talk about God's love through you, but I, here again, some of the purpose in my teaching it this way is to get grounded and established in this the other will come more naturally it will flow freely but if we're just trying to put on and just trying to act away yet on the inside we don't have a conscious knowledge of God's love and experiential knowledge of God's love for us it's really going to be difficult okay first Corinthians 12:18 says but now God has set the members each one of them in the body just as he, what? Pleased. In other words, what I've always seen out of this verse, always jumped out at me, is God is not placing some in higher positions and some in lower positions because he's pleased with some and displeased with others. And if God was really pleased with you in your life, certainly He would set you up higher. He would have a greater call or gift or something in your life. But because He's kind of ticked off and you haven't done everything right, He's going to relegate you to a lesser place in the body of Christ. In reality, He puts everyone in the right place because it pleases Him. It absolutely pleases God to have some people, and their assignment is low in the eyes of men. It doesn't look real important or real special, but God looked at them and said, man, I like them. Oh, I love them. I'm going to have them do this for me. And the eyes of men, they might think, well, what's that? Nothing real special. Listen, their reward is based upon it. They're going to be rewarded for being in their place, not looking at somebody else saying, I'd like to be like them. I'd like to do what they do. And they try that and fall on their face and get no rewards. Amen. And so God loves us. He's pleased to put us where he puts us. And so don't look at other people and think, man, I got gypped. I got the rook here and... (laughs) They were obviously got all these talents and these abilities and these gifts and look at me. And let that come as a hindrance between you walking in full fellowship with God. Because I want you to know God didn't rip you off for a second. He didn't hold back from you because he loves someone else more. He loves you and gave you what he gave you because he knew he could use you and you would, be, you would use what he gave you. And that would be an eternal reward for you. Again, the enemy wants to undermine this. Go to one last scripture. 1 John chapter 4. First John chapter 4. 
and verse 10. It says, in this is love. In what is love? He said, not that we loved God, but that He loved us and sent His Son to be the propitiation for our sins. Beloved, if God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. And here's the deal. This whole love thing, it's not something you came up with. I was not smart enough to think it up. I didn't decide one day, you know what? Hmm. I am just going to love God and love people. I just want to do that for people. I just want to. Listen, it never would have crossed your mind. We, uh, the nature of the flesh, come on, especially the unregenerate person, the unsaved, lost person, come on, selfishness rules the day. Looking out for number one, I'm thinking about me. If you're in my way, I will gladly push you aside. Hmm, no, you know what that's about? Hmm, my little two-year-old knows about that. <laughs> Something's in her way. <clears throat> Even if they're two or three years older than her. <laughs> it's what's, what's going on there. Selfishness. It's all about me. And that's the way you and I are if left to ourselves. But... It's not about us coming up with this. Here's the deal. It's not about that we loved God. It's about that He loved us. This is the foundation for us living the love life. This is the foundation for everything working, for marriages being successful, for friendships to thrive, is that God loves us. And out of that, if we can receive that, it can start flowing out of us. But if you don't know it, you'll struggle. I'm thinking about if the Lord leads me to do a, a series uh, dealing with marriage, okay, sometime, sometime soon, if that's right. But for those of you who need the marriage lesson right now, this is it. I'm telling you, okay, yeah, we're not talking about communication and who's balanced the checkbook and how to discipline the kids and, and, the, and, and, and deal with all the, you know, some of the marriage stuff. But when someone walks in this kind of love, problems will go away. This is the best advice for anyone who's having struggles in a relationship. Start off with knowing how much God loves you. And you'll find, man, that stuff will start coming out of you more and more. Heart, many times without effort. Sometimes you won't notice it right away, but other people will. Other people will notice how you used to act a certain way. But now you're different. You weren't nagged into, into submission. You know, <laughs> it wasn't because some external force. It was because something was working on the inside of you. God loved us. Amen. We'll pick up there next time. Father, in the name of Jesus, thank you so much for your faithfulness today. Thank you for your love being poured out in our hearts. Lord, we acknowledge this love today. We acknowledge your goodness. We acknowledge your mercy, your faithfulness. We acknowledge your kindness toward us. That all this stuff is not just based upon how, how we act and whether we do everything right. But we acknowledge your love here today in relationship to who you are 
and in relationship to Jesus giving his life for us we receive this love without condition without exception without hindrance and we thank you for showing it to us Lord giving us an understanding and a revelation to know the love of Christ that passes knowledge we receive this from you today thank you for it praise God Father I pray for those today who are not right with you they've never been saved